Is it anybody's birthday for real? Anybody's birthday today? No, good, okay. See, it ain't God's will. It ain't God's will. All right, is it really your birthday? No? Okay, you just messed with me. Okay, good. Open your Bible, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Let's begin, shall we, with the word of prayer. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Father, we thank you today for the word of God and for all that we're going to study. I pray that the word of God would come alive in the hearts of your people. The things that we'll talk about today, I pray they will lift their vision and lift their heart to a new place. May this be a moment of breakthrough, a moment of elevation in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen. We are in a series, and uh, I love series, and we're going to start in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. We've been talking about seven things we cannot be if we want to be successful. There's seven things we must say we will not be no matter what. If these seven things are in your life, you will fail. You will fail in a number of ways. And so my goal is to show you how to avoid them. And we gave it a little acronym called BLASDIC, B-L-A-S-D-I-C. Say that with me, please. Say B-L-A-S-D-I-C. That's BLASDIC. It's not a word. We made it up. It's something that just defines uh, the seven things we can't be. And let me say them. I know you know them by heart, but you can repeat them after me. Say, we cannot be broke. We cannot be lazy. Cannot be afraid. Cannot be slow. We cannot be distracted. We cannot be ignorant. And we cannot be carnal. The seven things we cannot be if we want to succeed. Some people are not honest. That's why they never get anywhere, because they're not honest about what it takes to get to where they want to be. Your actions are not tied to your goals. You have goals, but your actions are not connected. You're going north in your actions, but you say your goals are south. You can't have southern goals and northern actions. You have to learn to link them together. If you want to be healthy, then that means you have to exercise. You have to walk. You have to put your actions in line with what you say your goals are. You have to pray about what you eat. You have to pray about what you do. You have to make sure you're resting. You have to make sure you take care of yourself. If you don't tie the two together, you will not have success. So it's important to be honest with yourself. I call it getting in front of things. Getting in front of your money, getting in front of your life, getting in front of strife. You know, there's a problem with somebody, let's get in front of that. If they're doing something you don't like, you know it's going to cause a problem. Let's sit down today, let's work this out and make sure we don't have a problem. I think that's the way you live your life. There are things you get in front of, you're honest. So the seven things I listed here are things that I think you need to get in front of. And so I'm taking them two by two, uh, and I'll probably go two today, two next Sunday. So about three weeks or so, we're going to be working through this series. And what I've done is I've approached the Bible carefully because whenever you take a topical approach to Scripture, you have to be careful because you want to make sure you're not forcing a meaning on the Scripture. So you're looking for a verse that already says what you're feeling. So we have taken some topics, and you'll see some homework I have at the end for you uh, where you can kind of get a vision of where we're headed. So let's begin with a few questions that might help you. Repeat the topic with me, please. Say, how to overcome, overcome. Broke, broke and lazy. Those are the first two on the list. Can't be broke, can't be lazy. How to overcome broken lazy. Now, how often have you suffered from lack in your life? How often have you been the victim of not having enough? It's just terrible to go to the grocery store, get in that long line, and then get up there and not have enough to pay for your food. And then you, if you're not careful, your line says, my money's in the car. And you know it's not in the car. You just, you, just, you just don't have enough. It's horrible to feel like I don't have enough. It's horrible to live every week trying to get enough together to make it. Have you ever been the victim of someone else's lazy habits? Have you ever been diligent yourself, but you hooked up with somebody who just doesn't get it? 
and you've often been the victim of someone else's lazy or lack or, or lack of discipline. Have you said to yourself, man, if I, if I didn't hook up with this person, I'd be further along in my life? Have you ever felt that way? How often have you been a victim of your own lazy habits? When have you victimized yourself? Have you been written up on your job because you just slept in too long? You can say your car broke down, but that's not the truth. The real truth is you love sleep and you slept too long. Have you ever been a victim of bad grades in school because you just didn't study early enough? You had a month to work on that paper, but you waited till the day before. That's why you got a D. That's why you have a D minus in the class, because you wait too long. How much more could you have had if you faced your problems? If you'd faced that I'm a person basically without resource, I am broke all the time, and I tend to be lazy. Now, see, those are two things that are hard. You know, old days, they used to call your name like trifling. You remember, that's a hard term. Ooh, yeah, trifling. Ooh, man, just fighting words, you know. And it's tough to look at yourself and say, you know, I have tendencies that, that cause me trouble. I have tendencies that not only cause me trouble, I have tendencies that affect everything in my life. My whole life is full of all of these problems. So I want to show you, if I can, uh, four things that broken and lazy can cost you. But look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, and let's read a verse first. For even when we were with you, he's writing to the church in Thessalonica, and they have a problem with broke and lazy. It's all over the church. When we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he what? See. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are what? Busybodies. They're always in somebody's business. If you've got a lot of time to talk about other people, you, you too, you, you, you're not busy enough. If you spend all your time on somebody else's family, well, that's, that's clear. Verse 12. Now those who, who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own what? Bread. Eat your own bread. But as for you, now you know how it's your own, you know when it's your own bread, you pay for it. Some people get confused. When you pay for it, it's your own bread. Say that with me. Say, when you pay for it, it's your own bread. I just want to be clear. Some people get confused about what belongs to them. Verse 13. Can I say something? This, is, this, this bugs me. I never said this publicly. I was in a store the other day, and, and this grandmother tried to hijack my bag. <laughs> now, now, this came to me because, you know, it said your own. Now, and then she said when she picked it up, my wife, we sat down, and uh, we were shopping. It's Christmas season. She was shopping, and, and my wife set my bag, a little bag. One of my pastor friends bought me a nice little Tumi bag, a black one, and I carried my stuff in it. And, he's, and he, she sat it right by me, right by herself. And she was talking to me. And, and I was trying on some pants. And, and, and she came by. His grandmama did it. But it'd be different if it was a young person. You know what I'm saying? This is a, this is a, this is a, a, a criminal grandmama. <laughs> she came by. She you know I was mad. You know I was mad. She come by. And she picked up my bag. And I said, hey, ma'am, that's not just my husband's. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. Now, now see, I, want to sit in, I, I was in the dressing room. I, was, I wanted to get out there to sit. Now, how could you get confused? And th you know you didn't bring a black Tumi bag in here. I'm sorry. You said your own. It just, I had a flashback. I'm sorry. <laughs> People try to steal my stuff. You know the devil is a liar. I'm sorry. 
Pastor Rick, that had nothing to do with the sermon. I know, but it fit. Your own. They <laughs> need to get that out. I forgive her in Jesus' name. Verse 13. But, <laughs> but as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in, well, in doing good. If anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. That he may be what? Shamed. That he may be ashamed. He may be ashamed. So I want you to note something. That there are people in this church, he says in Thessalonica, who are without resource, living on other people, don't have their own bread, and they're busybodies, they're lazy, they're not doing anything. And I want you to please note, they all went to church. You have to be clear that sometimes the issue is not the devil. The reason you're broke is not the devil. Sometimes it's your approach to life. Some Christians have excuses for everything. Every pain is not the devil. Every issue is not the devil. Sometimes it's that fat back. (laughs) Every, Every issue is not the enemy. Sometimes we create it. Well, in this book, he writes to them and says, there are problems in your life. And the problems you're having, why you always need to borrow from somebody, why you always broke, why you, because you're, being, you're lazy. He says you are not doing what you should do. Now, don't be offended. Don't be offended. It's, it's not, I'm not trying to be offensive. As a matter of fact, let me give you four things that broken lazy cost me. You ready? This is my testimony. You know, I like to put myself in it. Four things. You ready? Here's what it cost me in my life. Loss of peace and rest. I've had seasons where it's constantly trouble all the time. Never could, never could just be at peace and rest. Secondly, loss of respect and honor. Constantly embarrassed. Man, I tell you, it'll cost you. Constantly embarrassed. Don't want anybody to ask you about your money. Don't want anybody to, you know, see your car. Don't want anybody to, you know, don't want any, you, you just embarrassed. You're down there again at the phone company asking for an extension. They've cut your phone off five times. They all know you by your first name. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to have to go down there again. It's embarrassing to go down to the... It, it, and, and that's what broke does for you. You're always embarrassed. Always. Thirdly, loss of options and opportunity. Constantly concerned. No options. What am I going to do is always your question. Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. You always like... You're like a, a one-person soap opera. It's the same. And tune in next week. Will they be evicted this week? Tune in next week. Will they be... You know, will they get the car or can they hide the car again like they did last week? You know, it's, it's just always... It's just... You need, you need... You work all your life and don't have, don't have $100. All of your life. You save, been saved years, years. You and your husband, you and your family. Put all your saved years together. You've been saved 992 years. All of you have been saved a long time. You done read the whole Bible 50 times, and you're still in the same place. It's embarrassing. It's, it, it's something you say, Pastor, I need to get more options in my life. I need to turn, turn my life around so that I have opportunities. Tired of going through this. Constantly concerned, always worried. And then lastly, loss of time and focus. Constantly under a time crunch. I gotta hurry and get there. I gotta hurry and work overtime. I gotta hurry. I gotta hurry. I'm always pressed. I, I'm, oh boy, can I get some overtime? Oh boy, uh, you're always under under. I gotta get this money together before two o'clock because I gotta get to the bank. I think you get tired. I think every now and then you get tired. You get frustrated. I was talking to somebody the other day, 
and, and I, I must have really touched them because, boy, they, they were stirred up, man. I mean, they were talking about, you know, their family going through stuff, and, and, I, and they was all stirred up, boy, and they were just, I mean, woo, you know, and the Holy Spirit really convicts you. And you say, you know, you're getting, I'm tired of being, I'm tired of this, I'm just, and he said, I'm tired, I'm tired, I hear what you said, praise God. And he, man, that thing just, it stayed on him, it stayed on him, it stayed on him, it stayed on him. And I, I was challenging him, you know, some of you, you one of the reasons you broke is because you don't honor God when you get money. And Lord bless you and you promise you're going to be a tither and you've been promising for how many years now? In these 52 days of fasting, bad habits, you might say, let me fast my habit of robbing God every week. Let me, why are you quiet? I'm going to fast. I'm not going to be a robber for a whole month. I'm going to tell him I'm going to retire and stop going in this wrong direction. I'm not going to cuss my wife. I'm not going to cuss my children. I'm not going to I'm just begin to get honest about the things that you have said you're not going to do. 470 or so of you have turned in the slip to me and said, these are the bad habits, Pastor Rick, that I'm going to do. I'm listing all of them. I'm going to publicize them and, and show you all the habits we say where we say as a church that we're going to lay down. So I want you to get yours into me so I can see what you're going to say. And I want I want to I don't want your name. I just want to know what the habit is. But there, there was something about this person. He got all stirred up, got all stirred up. And, and, and man, I tell you, he did something. I told him I don't want any other member to do. He did it one time. I, he did this one time. And I said, now, please don't do this again. He knocked on my door six o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, early in the morning. And, and call me, call me and say, I'm outside. I said, I said, why? Why? What are you doing at my house at 6 o'clock? You know, I love my members, but I tell them, listen, I love you, but Jesus' name, don't, don't knock on my door like that. Anyway, so he, he, he knocked, and he's standing there, open door, he had a tie check. He said, listen, he said, Jesus' name, I'm done. <laughs> You're going to take it to church. No, no, I'm getting this out of my hand right now. And Jesus, he was at my door, 6 o'clock in the morning. I said, get in here. And so we sat there, we, we talked. It was powerful. He said, I didn't, I'm not going to be the same. I'm not going to be the same. I want to change my life. I want to change. Are you with me, church? I want to change my life. I want to change my life. And, well, at least five of you clapped. Did you get what I just said to you? That's a powerful thing. I think it's a powerful thing. Sure it is. Now, again, I don't want to see you at my house at 6 o'clock in the morning. Don't find out where I live and start bringing me money to my house. What I'm trying to say is there is a powerful step you take because you are tired of living under crunches and pressures. Now, there are seven things, though, that I think can drive your life in that direction forever. And, and that's an important thing to discover. Okay, you've already discovered what you don't want to be. You've already discovered what, you, what it can cost you. Well, how do you, how do you stop it from coming? Well, let's find out what brings it. The things that, that, that drive broken lazy, that give it power in our life. Here are seven things that, that I think gives it power. First of all, something I call lazy theology. Say that with me, please. Lazy theology. This is living as if God is solely responsible for all our outcomes. They were waiting around for God to bless them. They wouldn't go to work in this church, and so they had a lazy theology. So I just come to the altar and pray about my need and say, Father, in Jesus' name, fix it. You know, and so God now is responsible. And we sing the song. I'm not against the song. I'm, I'm just picking on it just a little bit. Jesus will work it out if you let it. Jesus will work it. This problem that I have, not done, right? Jesus will work it out. You know, don't have all my money spent. He'll work it out. So, so you're just sitting around saying, work it out. <laughs> you need a job, and you're going to work it out, work it out, work it out. See, I realize as a pastor, I have to say something in order to, to, 
spur your faith and encourage you because God does not work that way. That, that's not how he operates. He's a co-laborer. You're co-laborers with God in Christ. You work, he works with you. He sends you a parakletos, a comforter, someone that comes alongside to help you. You get a lazy theology and you're sitting around, you know, with nothing to do, busybody and everybody's business, doing everything else and not working on your issue and your problem. So I call that lazy theology. Second thing that drives it is prolonged ignorance. Living without knowing how to manage your life. Paul writes to this church and says, let me show you how to manage your life. Let me show you how. I want to remove your ignorance. I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to not know what to do. The biggest question in life is, what do I do next? Now that God's given me the money, given me the opportunity, how do, I, how do I advance? What's the next step? And I believe what keeps us driving down the road where Mr. Broke and Mr. Lazy dominate us is because we don't know what to do next. Thirdly, a lack of what I call memory, memory loss. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, look at the text, verse 6. Watch how quickly they tend to forget. And Paul says to them, you have forgotten how you were raised. You're having memory loss. You will always have a reoccurring problem in your life if you keep forgetting what you've learned. Listen to what Paul says, verse 6. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you walk, withdraw from every brother who walks how? Disorderly and not according to the what? to the traditions which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you. And we, and did, well, watch this now, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but work with labor and toil night and day that we, not, that, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We worked. They were tent makers, and they would preach in the day, uh, and they would work. Uh, they would preach and work. They were people who were committed to supporting themselves. Verse 9 is interesting. He said, not because we did not have authority, we had the right to ask for an offering. Paul's real big on this point. He, he talks about this a lot in his writings. If a, if he, he's the one who said, don't muzzle the ox that treads out the grain, the grain. The laborer is worthy of his hire. He believed in paying people who minister to you. He believed that you should not sit there and enjoy the word and not care about the, the person who was ministering to you or the staff. He believed in that, and he talked about it. He said, we had authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us, see, he said, we worked. We, we wanted to be an example to you, verse 10. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he do what? That's pretty strong, isn't it? He said, but you have a memory loss problem. And then he also said, you have a lack of consequences. See, when people don't have consequences, broken, lazy can thrive because you always save them. You, ha you never have the full impact of your, of your choices. And, and, and so the real breaking point for some people is coming to face what, this, what lazy leads to. When people ask me about my schedule or how busy I am, I say, well, you know, you, I'm going to work hard someplace because Diane won't let me retire. She insists that I work. 
I'm 48 years old, and she just doesn't, I can't, I try to talk to her, give her hints, you know, and, but she just looked at me like, I know you're going to work. So because that's a part of our life, I therefore have to choose to work hard someplace so I don't complain. And I think you need to understand that, that uh, and well, let me go over a step further. The reason I work is not just because of Diane. I have had consequences in my life that I didn't like. Now, can anybody join me? Raise your hand if that was you. Yeah, see. See, that's what motivates you. It's not discipline. I don't, I don't view myself as a disciplined person. I might be viewed that way by people, by some people, but I view myself as a person who has lived with bad consequences. And I vowed that once I got free. Have you ever dated somebody and, um, and, and, and now it's over and you, you, just, you just say, thank you, Jesus. Yep, 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 yep. You just, you don't have to admit it, but you know what I'm saying? You just, say, just imagine, you know what I'm saying? So you, you ever been in a situation where you, you just, you couldn't, you, you just couldn't imagine you own a job. Anybody ever had a job that, that you just couldn't stand? Raise your hand. You had a job. Yeah. Raise your hand high. You had a job you couldn't stand. Now, what if you were still there? What kind of person would you be right now? You'd be a mean person, wouldn't you? See, understand that that experience changed you. It changed your values. So I believe that when a person has a consequence, an experience, it elevates them and changes the way they view the world. Next thing that happens, that I think that drives, drives this is idle time. Living as if life is one big vacation. Look at verse 11. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all. See, nothing, not working, but are busybodies. But those uh, who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. If a person is idle, you're going to have problems all of your life. That's where broken, lazy thrive. You have to learn to not be afraid of being busy. I'm not saying don't rest, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but, but there's something about just doing nothing. I really believe that you can turn a lot of our kids around if you remove the idle time from them. There's just nothing for them to do. That's why a lot of kids don't like church and don't come to church, because churches aren't designed for kids. Churches are designed for adults. Adults build the buildings, adults have the money, and they set up all the systems. They, that's why services are so long. The dress code is designed for adults. It's not kid-driven. Everything is about us, our music, the choice of music, who plays the music, everything. The only thing we do with kids in church is torture them. Easter is a good example. Get up here and say this speech. Jesus died upon the cross because I love him. Died. A, a kid would never come with a speech like that. Jesus died upon, it'd be something hip, you know what I'm saying? It would, it would have some rhythm. It would have some rhyme. It wouldn't be stagnant like that. But anyway, idle time, I think, drives Lazy drives broke. Fatigue, living in a constant state of exhaustion when you're always tired. See, verse 13 says, do not grow weary in doing good. Fatigue is a bad thing. He warns them, don't get tired. Exhaustion can be a bad thing for you. And, and really, sometimes when you're exhausted, you just don't care. And when you're exhausted, you cannot be at your, your best. You can't plan at your best. You can't think at your best. And then lastly, influences can drive uh, broken, lazy in your life, living with toxic relationships. Verse 14. Listen to what he says in, in verse 14. If anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not, underline the statement, do not keep company with him. 
that he may be ashamed. Yet do not count him as an enemy. Don't treat him like an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. You cannot advance in your life if you don't face the influences that come into your life. So be clear that it will cost you something. Be clear that these are the things that can drive it all of your life. And you'll start out, do well, and it come right back in again. You, you, you'll start out, get your money right, you know, get yourself going. You know, you'll be diligent for a while, but then all of a sudden, it'll come back in again. See, if you're around influences, people that don't encourage you in the right direction, you, you'll get right back in the same bad habits. Now, finally, as I close, let me give you some things to show you how to overcome it. This is how you overcome. This church is in trouble. How do you overcome it? There are, there are a few things I want you to know. Number one, decide what the bylaws or rules for your life will be. You have to decide what will be the rules for my life, the bylaws, the standards by which I will live. These are, these are the things that will govern my day-to-day -day choices. Decide. Now, Don and I have bylaws regarding fighting, arguing, disagreeing. We have ways that we deal with it now. When we were younger, first got married, we didn't know how to fight. See, some of you young people, you don't know how to fight. See, when you get older, you learn how to fight. You know, when you, every, some of you, everything, you, you fight over everything. I mean, it's tooth and nail, anything. See, when you get to this age, you've been married 26 years, we just say, well, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, don't matter. <laughs> She'll just look at me and say, okay. Praise the Lord. Now, there are times you got to talk about it. There are times you have to work at it. But, you know, we have rules. See, we have bylaws. Some of you have, have no laws. Everything goes. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Number two, decide what resources you will need to fix your life. Be honest about the resources you need to fix your life. See, some of you will never fix your life because you have a resource problem. As long as... As money is an issue for you, you will never have a great life. You will always struggle. It will always be, are you trying to say poor people can't have a great life? I'm telling you now, every poor person don't want to be poor. That's the, problem. That's, that's the truth. And they're looking for somebody with a resource to help them. So what I'm challenging you to do is to fix it. I'm saying let's get in front of it. I do that around here all the time. I'll say let's, let's fix it. What, is, what, what do we need to do? Do we need $300,000? Okay, last year, $300,000 worth of renovations, uh, things we had to do, capital investments. So I just said, okay, let's, let's set aside three, uh, $300,000, $400,000. Let's fix all the issues. So we went across the street, cleared the land off, cleared the lot off, did all the stuff we had to do so we can get ready to build, you see? So we got in front of it, got honest, put the money together, and made it work. And so I'm coming up again on some things. The next two years, I know I have to do. New TV equipment, some other stuff we have to do. You know, there's a whole new uh, shift coming in the television uh, area now with uh, HDTV, with uh, digital television. There's a whole shift. All the analog stations have to cut off all the analog signals. And I think it's, it's February 19th, Wednesday of, of, of 2009. So we have to get ready for that. I have to buy all new cameras. Have to get ready for all that. See, so you have to be, you have to be on top of stuff. You have to get in front of it. Say, now, what are the resources I need to put together? So that when that time comes, I'm not running around praying and asking God for a miracle. Come on, are you with me, church? Yes. See, you see, all your life, young people, your parents have been telling you, you have to, you have to leave. <laughs> they've been warning you all your life. You know, they've been telling you this, you know, so you got to go, you know. And some of you now, you know you're at the age and you get nervous. <laughs> and you look shocked when they say J job. 
work, you know, those are words you think are cuss words, you know, they're not, they're not cussing at you. They, 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 no, they're four-letter words, but, you know, W-O-R-K is a four-letter word, but it's a good four-letter word. It's someone you have to learn to appreciate. School, education, see? And so all your life they've been preparing you for this, and you need to have certain resources. And if you don't have the right resources, and Mel Levine, I just quote him all the time because he's such a great writer. Mel Levine talks about young people that are from the age of 18 to 24. He said they often don't have the resources they need to function in life, and that's why they're frustrated. You, you don't qualify to get into college. You're struggling. You, you don't have certain skills, and you're struggling. It's because you didn't have the right resources. That's why you need to face the resource needs in your life. I believe it. All right, let me do something. How many um, 18 and below stand up on your feet? All of you guys, guys, young men, 18 and below, stand up on your feet. All of you 18 and below, stand up. Now let me come out there and get you. Come on. <laughs> up, up. Now here's the deal. Look at me. Pastor, look at me. Don't look at your friends because they can't help you right now. It's me. <laughs> I, I made a covenant in this church that every young man in this church that wants to go to college will go. It is our commitment that all of you will graduate from high school. We will have no zero dropouts. Zero dropouts. Everybody say zero dropouts. Zero dropouts. You are going to be men who are going to have Children, your job is to be able to take care of your families and yourself. And so I want you to become leaders, and I want every one of you to go to college. And we are a rich church. Tell your neighbor, amen. We're rich. Amen. Come on, we're a rich church. So that means if we're a rich church, we can't have people that don't go to college because of money. So we're going to find money somewhere, dig it up in the dirt, but we're going to find a way to get you in school. You will not not go to school because your parents don't have money, and because you don't have money, we're going to make sure you get there. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, are you hearing me? All right, listen. You can't clap your hand if you ain't going to give nothing. Are you really with me, church? Say amen. All right, praise God. All right, have a seat. Young ladies, 18 below, stand up on your feet. Stand up. Come on, let me come back and find you. I know, I see you. Come on, stand up, 18 and below. All you young women. All right, you're up now. Here's the deal. I declare in Jesus' name that you're going to be unique and different. You're going to be prosperous. You're not going to be dependent on some man. You're not going to get married to some man because he got money. You're going to have your own money. Look at the pastor. I'm talking to you. You're going to have your own money. You understand me? And we are a church committed to you going to school, finishing. Now, statistically, more of you are starting to go than the guys. But we still are going to be with you, too. We're going to make sure you go. We're committed to you finishing. We're committed to it. You are not going to be in this church. Zero dropout rate. I want you to finish high school. I want you to say we're with people that are prosperous. Touch the person next to you. Say, tell them, say, I'm glad you're prosperous. Touch the one next to you, young people. Tell them, say, I'm glad you're prosperous. See, that means that you are surrounded with a harvest. And we are going to, we're going to commit to you and support you all the way through. Give the Lord a big hand for these. You may be seated. Amen. Now, you think I'm done? I'm not done yet. Some of you have been wanting to go back to school. You need to go back to school. It's your dream to go back to school. I want you to stand on your feet. I don't care what age you are. Stand up on your feet. You want to go back? Come on, stand up on your feet. Now, if you don't stand up, you're not. Uh, Lord, I pray they don't get to go back. Stand up. I want to see you. Stand up. I'm, I'm going to pray for you. It's going to be a powerful prayer. See, you're going to sit there and miss your blessing. I don't want nobody to know my dream. That's why you're not going to have it. That's right. You don't about them chairs. Come on up here. That's right. Now, now see, don't give up. You may want to go back and get your master's, your doctor, whatever it is. Don't give up. This is the season of, of go back 
get all we need, have all we need, be blessed. It's the season of dreams coming true. It's the season of your life being different. There was a young lady that sat over in the corner of this church, on the left side of this church, and she had babies, and her husband was, wasn't with her, and she sat there, and she heard me say this, and she went to school. She didn't come up and talk to me. She went and signed up, went and checked on all the details. And, and let me tell you, if you got to borrow the money, I'm saying this too, borrow the money. Go to school. It's the best loan you ever get with the best interest rate you'll ever pay in your life. Don't be afraid. Don't let, a, don't let a little bit of debt scare you because God is a God of resource. Amen. Come on. Now, so she sat over there. She heard me say these things. She came up to me 48 months later, and she had finished college. She had come in, and she didn't have a car. She didn't even have transportation. She had a bicycle. That's the truth. And she used to put her baby on the, on the, on the, on the, on the what do you call it, the handlebars, and she would ride her baby. And people were laughing at her and laughing at her, but they're not laughing now because she got her master's degree working on her doctorate degree. Yes, she is. Bless God. She's somebody. Let me tell you right now, it's God's will for you to prosper. It's God's will for your dreams to come true. And you got to lift your attitude and lift your vision and say, I'm going to take charge of my life. I'm not waiting on anybody. I'm going to do it. And if you don't know how to do it, call us and we're going to help you do it. Come on, say amen. All right, you may be seated. Decide what you, the, the bylaws of your life. Decide what resources you will need. Decide what you're willing to give up in order to be free. Can't have everything if you're going to change your life. You can't take everybody with you. You just can't. Decide how many hours you must work to stay free. I, can't, I have to work a certain number of hours. I realize in my life I have to study a certain number of hours. So my wife doesn't have to tell me to study, doesn't have to tell me to do certain things because I realize in order for me to get to where I'm going, I've got to decide. Decide to close the door to the things that keep you, keep you broke. Some of you, is lack of work. You're always taking off time. You ain't got that many days to take off. You need your money. <laughs> Go to work. Stop taking all the sick days. Why? Because they're my days. That's why they don't promote you. See, that's why you're always taking off every day. Well, that's my day. I get 10 sick days a year, and I'm taking off, and that's why you make what you make. Amen. I'm telling you now, go to work. Don't, don't miss. Be there. Uh, decide to close the door to the things that keep you lazy. Lack of rest. Sometimes it's not that you're lazy. Sometimes the problem is that you are tired. Some of you right now, the best thing you can do is go home and sleep. You're not, you're lazy isn't your problem, it's balance. That's why some women, you keep all these kids, I'm telling you right now, ooh, you love your children. I know you love them, but they weigh you out. They weigh you out, let me tell you, and, and they, they don't think you're supposed to sleep. Our kids, it, <laughs> they all moved out now. But if they're around, they, all, they don't think nothing about coming in there late at night talking to you. You say, you know I'm sleeping? No, you're not. You wake. See, I told you, you wake. <laughs> Sometimes you just need rest. And that's one thing we all do in our family. Everybody takes long naps. We sleep long. And, and it, it, it makes a difference. Everybody say rest. Rest. And lastly, decide to be different and break the curses in your family. History. See, there's some things that's been in your family. Yeah, you've been broke. Broke has been in the generations of your family. When you go to family reunions, you see it. Some of you, after Sunday service, you go and see it. But decide that we're going to be different, and God will bless your life. Did you learn something today? Did I help you today? Praise God. Now, here is your homework. Here's your homework. Next week's sermon, how to overcome Mr. Fear and Mr. Slow. 
We're going to deal with two of them next week, Mr. Fear and Mr. Slow. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It's one verse I forgot to give you. Put a slash right there. The whole book of Jonah, all four chapters. I'm going to show you how slowly Jonah responded. He responded, but it took a while. God had to do all kinds of things to get him to respond, and we'll talk about that next week. Flip your page over a little bit. Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday night and Thursday, our midweek services, Models of Great Living continue. We're going to talk about Jacob and Joseph, and we're going to show you how they did the three things we talked about. They worked, they sacrificed, and they reaped. We're going to do character studies of these people and learn how God wants us to learn from their life. And you have a future teaching as well uh, listed for you to note. So homework for you. Read over the, that information. Pray over it. And I hope you've been blessed. Let's bow our heads together and have a word of prayer. Father, I thank you today in Jesus' name for the word of God and for all that we've studied. In these last few minutes, I pray that your people have been lifted and inspired. I pray they, they've thought about their lives and analyzed their lives and said, Lord, I saw a lot in that. I've, been, I've had lazy theology waiting for you to come and fix what you call me to take charge of. I don't want to be like those folks taking advantage of people, spending all my time worrying about somebody else's issues and I'm not focused on mine. Let me leave my nephew alone, my cousin alone, my, and let me get my, my eyes focused on myself. So, Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name for you to minister healing to hearts today. Let there be a lifting of vision. With every head bowed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, after hearing the message, I realize I need a change in my life. I need to make a directional change. My spirit, my mind needs to get in line with the word of God. If you're here and you want to start a life with Jesus, you want to get your life going in the right direction. I want you right now to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. There's one hand. Anybody else? Two, three.